All right, what's up, guys? Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2017. And no podcast yesterday as I was uh, completely overloaded with podcasts yesterday. We started our uh, Marching to Madness early top 25 over on the Marching to Madness podcast. If you're listening to this, you've probably listened to the Marching to Madness podcast before. Hopefully you're subscribed. If you aren't already, be sure to do that. Just search for it on iTunes and you'll be able to listen in to our entire countdown of our early top 25. Uh, we started things off with our number one team, and you can also listen for all of our interviews with coaches all around the country. actually have an SDC coach coming up uh, this week on the podcast as well, so be sure you subscribe so you don't miss that. And also had another podcast to do yesterday uh, for Chris Lee over at VandySports.com talking about the current state of Vanderbilt basketball. Um, and then as well, talking about the SEC. So that was a lot of fun to do. You can listen to that as well if you like. So back on the Southeast Tubes podcast here with a couple of topics for today. And the first topic, you know, kind of goes back to the power rankings that we've been talking about. We're seeing more power rankings put out there right now. Uh, yesterday, I sent out a link, uh, in which got a lot of, as I thought, a lot of discussion from you guys. Uh, Matt Norlander over at CBS did his early SEC power rankings and look, you know, I said I didn't agree with a lot of it, but here's the deal. I mean, it's it's still early, and again, that's why you put the word early in there. Um, and, and, you know, not everyone gets a chance to, to be deep in the, the heart of SEC country and have an opportunity to really take a deep dive into the SEC right now. Sure, a lot of these, they're, they're all going to do it later down the line, but it's kind of hard, you know, sometimes to be able to do that. So I know a lot of people had a lot of disagreements with what he put in there. Uh, and I will just go ahead and read them off right now based on what he has. And if you want to get the link on that, you can just go over to my Twitter feed at the Blake level. Uh, you can scroll down, find the link on there, and you can read this entire piece for yourself. Uh, but here's who he has. This is an early SEC basketball offseason power rankings. Kentucky at number one, Florida at number two, Texas A&M at number three, Arkansas at number four, Alabama at five, Vanderbilt at six, Missouri at seven, Georgia at 8, Auburn at 9, South Carolina at 10, Mississippi State at 11, Ole Miss at 12, Tennessee at 13, and LSU at 14. So, you know, again, that's just one person's opinion. And like I said, I don't agree with a lot of that. I think my ranking is going to look a bit different, not necessarily in every spot, but I think there are some teams that I'm going to have quite a bit higher, and there will probably be, you know, a team or two maybe that I have a little bit lower. Uh, and the reason why I continue to wait on this, and we've seen this throughout the, the offseason, is we're still seeing guys transfer. We're still seeing guys potentially reclassify. Uh, and the big reason why I continue to kind of hold off on the, the in-depth piece that I've already somewhat put together uh, for the power rankings is, is going to Missouri. It's all about Jonte Porter, I think, and whether he decides to reclassify and join this Missouri team because that could that could change where I have Missouri at at the moment because Missouri to me when you look at the SEC they are probably the team that that I look at and say okay they're a team that has a very very high ceiling but we still don't know exactly how the team is going to look and that's where we talk about you know if Jonte Porter decides to join his brother Michael Porter Jr. Uh, with Missouri which would give them yet another 
uh, explosive weapon on that team. And then you're talking about saying, okay, well, maybe Missouri goes from a team to where you take a wait-and-see approach with them to saying, okay, Missouri is absolutely an NCAA tournament lock. Porter is ranked 18th, 24-7 sports. He is ranked 18th in the 2018 class. So, you know, if he if he decides to reclassify and join Missouri now, which a lot of people seem to believe he will. And, you know, as I always say on here, if you want great Missouri basketball coverage, go over to rockmnation.com. It's on SB Nation's site. Sam Snelling does an awesome job there. Uh, and we've had him on the podcast before on Marching to Madness. We'll definitely have him on the Southeast Hoops podcast here in the near future. Uh, but be sure to check out his work. Does an awesome job breaking down Missouri basketball. And Sam seems to believe that they will indeed have Jonte Porter on campus when they get going. So if that's the case, if he's there, I think it changes the outlook of Missouri. You know, you, you look at Matt's ranking on CBS, he has Missouri at 7th right now. Um, I would venture to say that anyone else who has Missouri at 7th would move them up if Jonte Porter joined the team. And so if you work under the assumption that he is going to be on there, then I think Missouri's you know prospect outlook goes up dramatically. And it's not just because you know you think one player is going to completely make or break what they are able to do, but it just adds depth in a league where you have a lot of teams near the top that have depth. And for Missouri to be able to compete, be in that upper echelon, they certainly have the, the number one player in the country in the 2017 class. But if they continue to just stockpile that depth, which they already have pretty good depth. I mean, look, we've talked about the guys they have coming back. I, I think Jordan Barnett, Kevin Perrier, who whose role we don't really know yet based on everybody else that's come in. Um, you know, Terrence Phillips as well. I think that, that's a good And Terrence Phillips, I think, is a guy that we've talked about a lot in the past to where he's shown a lot of progress throughout the years there. And I think this year specifically, you talk about a guy who's going to see his numbers go up. We're talking about from an assist standpoint. I mean, he's going to be able to really get them going on offense when you think about all the all the offensive weapons he could have at his disposal. And so Phillips is really going to be the driving force there for that Missouri team. Um, but, but again, it's just, it's so hard to pinpoint where to specifically put Missouri right now because of that still hanging out there and whether or not he will be there. So if you work under the assumption that he's going to be there, uh, then, you know, I think that does change kind of where I would place Missouri right now, uh, in terms of look, like I said, it just gives them another high quality player to add on the roster. And look, if you can continue to stockpile those kind of guys, uh, you're continue, you're going to continue to move up the ladder. And so waiting and seeing on that, how that unfolds, um, you know, like I said, I've still put pretty much everything else in place right now. I feel comfortable with where everyone's at. Uh, and it's no surprise. I mean, if you just go back through, you, you read my Twitter, you guys can kind of get a feel of where I have some of these teams. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be anything to where, you know, I'm not going to have a team that, that a lot of people have at 14. I'm not going to have them at two or three. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to be that. There are just a few different places here or there. And, and look, this is a fun process, uh, and it's a lot of fun to do. But like I said, we still don't know. I mean, at this point, we could still have guys transfer out. We could still have guys transfer in. Um, and you could have a case like Porter reclassifying, joining the 2017 class. So uh, continuing to, to wait on that, and like I said, continue to kind of see everything else that's out there right now. A lot of people putting out these early power rankings in the SEC, 
it's good to see different ideas, uh, different opinions on all these teams because, you know, that's what makes this whole thing enjoyable is to, to get different opinions on the SEC to see where other people kind of survey these teams and see where they could rank at. So uh, that's going to be the case as we go throughout the offseason. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more talk about that. And then certainly uh, once my full in-depth power rankings piece, first set of offseason power rankings come out, uh, we'll definitely have a big discussion on that as well. So it should be a lot of fun. And now let's move on to the other topic for today. And that is looking at another non-conference schedule in uh, the world of SEC basketball. We've flown through a lot of them so far. Uh, But now we're going to take a look at the Alabama Crimson Tides non-conference schedule for the 2017-18 season. And Alabama's a team certainly I've talked about a lot here on the podcast and that Alabama is going to take a large, big leap forward this season. And and certainly it's going to be challenging, though, when you look at their non-conference schedule because Avery Johnson has, has put together a schedule where there are a lot of really good teams on here. And there there may be teams that, that aren't big-name teams that are going to be able to give Alabama a challenge just because they're very good. I mean, there, there are some really good mid-major teams on here. I guess, you know, I don't classify some of these teams as mid-majors, but I know a lot of people would. Uh, but there are some teams that, that are of great quality on this schedule. So let's start at the top. Uh, Alabama will open the season on November the 10th in the Veterans Classic in Annapolis, um, they're going to play Memphis. And, I mean, right now with Memphis, what do we know? I don't know what we know about Memphis because we know what all they lost, and that's the problem. I mean, Tubby Smith, boy, he he has got himself a situation there. When you think about everything they lost, they lose the Lawson brothers. Markel Crawford transfers out to Ole Miss. So Memphis is a team that that we don't really have a good feel on right now. Uh, But I would venture to say no matter what is on the floor for Memphis this year, Alabama's the better basketball team. Uh, So it'll be a fun game to open up. Uh, Obviously, two two good coaches there on the sidelines. And then Alabama will come home on November the 14th to take on Lipscomb. Casey Alexander really has a team returning there uh, for the Bisons, and and they have a really good squad returning. I mean, you're going to have to keep your eye on a guy like Garrison Matthews, who comes back, averaged 20.4 points per game last season. Rob Marbury also back there. He was another double-figure scorer. Um, so Lipscomb's going to be fun to watch, I think, in the A-Sun. I mean, they're a team that scored a lot of points last year, and they're certainly going to be, you know, one of those teams, I think, in the, in the upper echelon, you know, maybe even have a chance at being near the top of that A-Sun. Uh, they played very well last year. I mean, they, they really played. I mean, we look back at the game. Uh, it was the game at Tennessee, I believe, where they, um, you know, they ended up losing by 15, but they played really well. Uh, and they also, you know, they played a tough schedule last year, too, and I think it kind of helped them get better throughout the year. And so Lipscomb's the team I would watch out for. Finished second last year in that A-Sun behind Florida Gulf Coast, and they're going to have a, a, you know, a very good team again this year. Uh, so that's a team to watch out for, for sure there, and coming to Tuscaloosa. Uh, and then, if we look at the next game on Alabama's schedule, they will play Alabama A&M, and then they'll come back on November the 21st in Tuscaloosa as well and take on UT Arlington. Now, UT Arlington is another team that has a really good returning nucleus on their roster. Kevin Hervey's back. Averaged 17 points a game last season. Eric Neal also back there. A really great passer. Great assist guy. Uh, averaged 6.6 assists last year. A 5'10 
you know, guard that, that can really do a lot of things well. And if you want to listen, to actually, we talked to UT Arlington head coach Scott Cross on the Marching to Madness podcast this offseason, so you can go back to our archives, find that episode. He talked a lot about this UT Arlington team, and I know he's excited about what they're going to bring to the table. They're certainly going to be a team to watch uh, when we talk about what their prospects are in making the NCAA tournament and having a chance to win a game. I mean, you know, win a game or two in there because I think their roster is, is very good. Uh, and then Alabama on November 24th and 25th, We'll play in the Barclays Classic, and they will have a shot at, you know, that field includes BYU, Minnesota, UMass. Minnesota's a team right now. Uh, if you look around, I think a lot of people have Minnesota in their top 15. I would put them in my top 15 right now. Uh, they return a lot of good players. And, you know, if that's a matchup that we see, um, that's certainly going to be a fun game to watch. So either of those games in there, I mean, they're you know, quality opponents in there in Brooklyn, before Alabama comes back home on the 29th to take on Louisiana Tech. Eric Conkle uh, entering his third season at Louisiana Tech. Uh, they've went 23-10 and 10 his first two years there. They finished second last year uh, in the Conference USA, won 14 conference games. So he's going to be excited about that challenge there for, for that team to be able to come into Tuscaloosa, have a chance to beat a really, really good Alabama team. Uh, so another a good quality team. On a schedule, and then right after that, it's UCF. Uh, we know what UCF did last year. Got all the way to the NIT semifinals, where they lost to eventual champion uh, TCU. And Johnny Dawkins is going to have a lot of good good returners coming back on that team. I mean, obviously, you talk about uh, you know a big guy coming back, and I think you all know who that big guy is. Uh, fall back in the lineup there. And uh, boy, there, there's that's, that presents a challenge in and of itself. When you have a guy that comes in there at seven foot six, um, that's certainly going to present a challenge of its own, and that'll be a good test, I think. Um, you know, when you talk about the big guys for Alabama and their development going up against a guy like that. After that, another team comes into Tuscaloosa. Really, uh, just a really good three-game stretch there of games in Tuscaloosa when you talk about Louisiana Tech, UCF, and now Rhode Island. Uh, the Rams are another another team. Look at the A-10. I think Rhode Island's going to be a team that's going to be right there in the discussion uh, when, when we talk about some of the best teams in the A-10 next year. And so it's just, I mean, the, the hits keep coming for Alabama. I mean, these are, like I said, these are games that aren't necessarily against, you know, big-name teams that are going to catch anybody off guard but they are against some teams that if Alabama doesn't play their best, uh, they could slip up and lose these games because the, they, this is good competition, and this is exactly what you need uh, to get prepared for what is coming next, and what will be coming next will be uh, the December 9th trip to Tucson to take on Arizona. And look, I mean, you know, we talk about early top 25s. That was our number one on the Marching to Mads podcast. Arizona is deep. They have a great returning roster. Alonzo Trier back. Raleigh Hawkins is back. Uh, Deuce and Ristich is back. Uh, they have a great returning roster there at Arizona. Now think about that. And then you add DeAndre Ayton, the big big guy in the middle coming in who could completely change the landscape of the game for them inside. And Arizona is a hard team to look past as being you know, a potential national champion. So that is going to test Alabama certainly more than any other game on this non-conference schedule, uh, and that will kind of tell us at that point, you know, in early December where the Crimson Tide are. 
and what maybe their outlook is the rest of the way as they get ready for SEC play. Uh, Alabama will then get a nice little break, come home on December the 19th to take on Mercer in the Rocket City Classic. That's in Huntsville. Uh, and Mercer, Mercer's a team that, that I've heard a bit about so far, and looking into them, I mean, they return, they're pretty much their top several scores, and Mercer's going to be probably one of the favorites in the SOCON. Uh, so there's another team that, that may not have it be a household name on anybody's radar in college basketball land, but uh, th- they have a lot of experience returning and some guys that are certainly going to relish that opportunity to come in and play an Alabama team that, that look, could be in the top 20, top 15 uh, at that point in the season. So, uh, And then it just keeps rolling along, guys. Texas, the next team on the Alabama's non-conference schedule, Mo Bamba in there now. Uh, certainly a highly heralded recruit, and Shock Smart's going to try to turn things around, and they will play that game in Birmingham. Uh, we know, we remember the game last year these two played, and it's going to look quite a bit different this year. I mean, Alabama lost that game last year by nine, uh, but it's going to look different because Alabama will be considerably better, Texas will be considerably better, and this is a game that will make both teams better uh, because it's going to be a very competitive game from start to finish, I would think. And then when we go to the Big 12 SEC Challenge, Alabama gets Oklahoma and Tuscaloosa. Oklahoma, another team that's going to be much better than they were a season ago. Uh, so that just adds to the depth of Alabama's non-conference schedule. And look, you look back at that, like I said, I mean, just look back at that entire schedule. There are really, you know, maybe no one one or two nights off, I guess you could say, uh, potentially. But even then, I mean, this entire thing from top to bottom, Alabama's playing some teams that were very good last year and that are going to take, you know, a step forward this year. And they're playing some teams that have a lot of talent returning in terms of some of their top scores on a lot of these teams are coming back. Uh, so it's just a matter of seeing how everyone else kind of fits into these teams. But, boy, it's it's going to be the kind of schedule, and I talked about this with Florida. I've talked about it with other non-conference schedules we've done. It's going to be the type of schedule that gets Alabama ready for March, and that's what you want to do is to be ready for March, especially when you have the kind of team that Alabama's going to have this season. Uh, you want to be prepared for the NCAA tournament, and this is certainly going to give Alabama potential for quality wins, and it's going to have them in a place as they go into SEC play where they've already been tested in a lot of these different games, and that's going to do nothing but help them going forward. So uh, there's a look at the Crimson Tide's non-conference schedule. We'll continue to talk about all these non-conference schedules as they come out here throughout the offseason. And then hopefully, once the actual schedules come out, we'll break those down as well, which will have all the conference games in it as well. So thanks for listening to today's episode of Southeast Tubes Podcast. Be sure to go to iTunes, search for Southeast Tubes, subscribe so that you don't miss any of these episodes as we go through the offseason here. And uh, a mailbag edition of the podcast coming up tomorrow. So if you're on Twitter, if you haven't sent me your questions yet, send me over your questions for the mailbag. Mailbag episodes, always a lot of fun. So be sure to do that. Thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.